I'm journalist Carolyn Osorio, and I invite you to join me and my co-host, Brandon Morgan, on our podcast, Criminal Mischief. From law enforcement officers seeking justice to victims' families seeking answers, every week there's a new case and a new victim whose story deserves to be told. New episodes of Criminal Mischief drop every Tuesday. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Casual Criminalist. I, as always, am your casual criminalist. Simon, welcome to the show. The format of the show, one of my writers, thank you, Matt, has written me a script. Elliot Roger, the supreme gentleman in the 2014 Isla Vista killings. Is this a rampage one or a spree killing one? I don't like this. And I, oh, I vaguely remember this. Isn't this about incels? Supreme gentleman sounds very incel-y doesn't it the incel community that's a whole weird thing i guess we're going to learn a bit about it today like people have made a community about not getting late <laughs> like what's that about it seems uh like why why would don't just just you know be a normal person have some you know go out there have a relationship it's not that complicated it's 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 not <laughs> You shouldn't be like, I'm so unlovable that I, I I don't know enough about incels. We're going to learn more about it today, which is going to be fun, I assume. Let's jump into it. Sex. Now that I have your attention, I've spoken before on how love and relationships are an important thing for people, and the lack of it can be very detrimental. Loneliness and deprivation can be extremely taxing and can make people do very desperate things. However, having eternal blue balls doesn't give you the right or excuse to go out and hurt anybody, though there seems to be a group of people who believe otherwise. The incel community. <laughs> so let's talk about the incel community, shall we? Nailed it, fact boy, yes. The dictionary defines the... Oh god, incels in the dictionary? Uh, They define the term as a member of an online community of young men who consider themselves unable to attract women sexually, typically associated with views that are hostile towards women and men who are sexually active. Why would you join this community? It's basically saying you're either so unattractive or so unlikable that you can't get a girlfriend. Like... Why would you be like, yeah, 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 that's me, that's me, I'm one of those guys, yeah, 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 no, my face is f***ed up and I'm super overweight and uh, I also have a horrible personality. Horrible personality. Like, why would you identify as that? What's wrong with you? And I'm not trying to, like, shame anybody here, like, but why would you, why would you not want to improve yourself and why would you want to be like, women don't love me and I love that about it? It sounds a bit, it's just a bit weird, isn't it? Men like this really exist, using the fact that they can't get girlfriends and are unable to have all the sex that they crave to hate the world. These types of people believe that the world has done them wrong and they deserve the ladies that won't give them the time of day. That it is their right to have what they believe they are deprived of, and if they don't get it, they resort to violence against innocent people around them. That sounds like the makings of a rapist. To be honest, it's like, what don't you have? Well, all the women who don't love me, and what are you going to do? I'm going to use violence to get it. And it's like, that's, well, A, that's not love. And B, that is a crime that you're going to go to prison for a very long time for. Um, This is so weird. It's such a weird thing. And it's also like, I don't know anybody who is... And is I don't know, like, people I know, like my friends and stuff, I don't know anyone who is, like, you know, not married or been in a relationship, unless it's by choice, of, like, I don't, I can't name a single person that I know. And I guess that's maybe just because I'm not joining these online incel community groups, but is this really, like, I don't know enough about this. Let's just move on. (laughs) 
I feel like I'm digging myself like a, a politically incorrect hole somehow, even though I'm just, you know, right? I don't know. <laughs> It's sad, it's infuriating, and regrettably we're here to talk about the individual who gave them an even bigger platform than they have a right to have. Simon, dearest audience, follow me once more into the past eight years to be exact. Oof, nine years by the time this comes out. The date is May the 23rd, 2014, and the place is the west coast of the United States in Isle of Easter, California, a beachside community in Santa Barbara County. It has a population of 15,500 as of 2020, with a majority of said populace made up of college students, specifically from the University of California, Santa Barbara, and Santa Barbara City College, a place of sunshine and fun, as well as higher learning. It seems like the ideal place to live. It does sound pretty nice. Like, California, the weather seems to always be nice. <laughs> it's like, you know, college. Seems like a good time. Unfortunately, on this day, it's about to be plunged into utter chaos. This evening, within an apartment on Seville Road, a young man sits by himself patiently, waiting for his roommates to return. It seems to be a day just like any other, except he has made a decision. And he had made said decisions a long time ago. For you see, today is the day, the day that this 22-year-old college student will take his revenge on the world that he believes has turned its back on him. An utterly ridiculous and asinine notion, but we'll elaborate more on that soon enough. Wait, but you live with roommates. You probably you you've somehow got these roommates. You must have friends and such. Um, okay. In the final entry of a journal found after the fact, dated the same day, he wrote, This is it. In one hour I will have my revenge on this cruel world. I hate you all. Die. This entry isn't the first indication of his intention or mental state either. For months, scratch that years this petulant man child had used the platform of youtube to spread his hate and misery to anyone who gave him any sort of attention i didn't know that i remember this news story vaguely from back in the day uh, i didn't realize youtube's so old like and even 2014 or whatever that was like youtube had been around for like youtube was first around when i was in university right watching ali pirated ali g clips and stuff with my lunch it's been around forever oh my god that's not what we're here for let's carry on he spewed his loneliness, his desperation, his anger, and his egomaniacal viewpoints all across the interweb, so much so that it warranted a viewer to inform the police. Good for you, viewer. Also, was this, I don't know, are there dark corners like this of YouTube still where it's like, I mean, of course there are, like there's unpleasant shows and podcasts and all of this stuff. I'm not going to name any names, but like, there's some pretty unpleasant creators on YouTube. But like, this dark... Uh, I think that would get reported and taken down for like violating TOS. The cops even the cops have to even come to his apartment for a wellness check just to see if he's all right and wasn't contemplating suicide or anything extreme. If only they'd known. If only they'd actually entered his apartment, they would have seen his manifesto. They would have seen his knives. And they would have seen his guns and ammunition. Sadly, this was only the beginning of what would be a nightmare for the people of Isle of Easter. That night, in spite of all the red flags and warning signs, this pathetic worm of a man went on a rampage that would scar the lives of many and send a shockwave across the United States. As we hear the sound of oncoming footsteps making their way in the direction of the apartment, and Roger gets to his feet, we enter the darkness once again. As I tell you the tale of a young man who, consumed by his pretentiousness, narcissism, hatred, and his own inability to accept that in the end he was the problem, not the world around him. It's a tale so twisted and distorted, a true downward spiral of his own making, that it enrages me every time I hear it, even as I type this now. This is the story of the king of the incels, the supreme gentleman. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my unfortunate distinction to introduce to you Elliot Roger. 
the supreme gentleman is such a strange thing supreme gentleman in my mind would be someone who's extremely good with the ladies like he's very polite he holds the door open he's the sort of dude who gets out of the back paddock of the car whips around to the other side and opens the door for a woman and I really <laughs> incels me like, and that's the sort of man I am. It's like, yeah, but you also have to be charming and not a douchebag. And then you can, that like, you see where I, you know, that, oh God, <laughs> incels. It's, the reason I can't wrap my head around it is just because it's so absurd to me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is my unfortunate distinction to introduce you to Elliot Roger. Growing up. Elliot Oliver Robertson Rogers was born on the 24th of July 1991 in London, England to parents and Matt. I have decided not to name the parents and the rest of the family or tell their backstory because um, I don't know if they've done anything wrong, but I'm sure even though their family member was a horrible piece of um, in my opinion, I don't think that their privacy should be violated like this okay so we're just going to skip ahead look basically i've read it already he was born in england his parents worked in the film industry seemingly quite successful um he moved to america their parents moved to america for better filmmaking opportunities his father got divorced he got remarried uh the, sorry uh, they had a, a son uh, this is the elliot character the antagonist of today's episode then they had a daughter the father got divorced married someone else had another son um and i think if i pick it up from here there are no more names never mentioned so thank you as far back as his parents divorce and his father remarrying the signs of something dark had already begun to take hold elliot was already described as a shy and insecure child but the disruption in his home life thanks to the divorce only made things worse then only two months after his seventh birthday was introduced to his father's new girlfriend and things got dicier after she moved in and married him elliot loathed his stepmother and the two of them would argue constantly elliot despised the fact that she seemed to be taking his mother's place and refusing to and refused to listen to anything she said or take any sort of discipline now I understand coming to grips with a new parental figure in your life can be hard but elliot refused to even try even for his father and sister's sake. sake and by extension elliot also hated his stepbrother seeing him as being no more than a potential replacement for him and his family it's not that hard look i'm from a similar situation not quite the same but i have a father and a stepmom and stepsisters and uh, i don't know i was I, I loved them all it was nice just okay <laughs> it's not that oh, i don't know i know it's complicated but okay a family friend first met Elliot when he was nine and was later quoted, I could see then that there was something wrong with him. Looking back now, he strikes me as someone who was broken from the moment of conception. Even with these personal and frankly self-made hardships, Roger had a privileged upbringing. His family was wealthy as his parental figures were successful in their careers and they would go on many vacations and holidays during his youth. He was once quoted as saying, I've always had a penchant for luxury, opulence and prestige. Elliot clearly wanted for nothing, but even then, that wasn't enough. I guess it's true that money can't buy happiness. My Twisted World Growing up, Elliot attended multiple high schools. Crespi Carmelite, maybe, high school, Taft High School, and finally Independence Con Continuation High School. No matter where he went to school, though, he was the subject of constant and relentless bullying, only worsened by the fact that he was always the new kid in school. There was even one instance where he was fast asleep in class and his classmates managed to tape his head down to the desk. Ah! 
Um, like, <laughs> I don't know. That feels like funny. That feels like a joke. If I fell asleep in class and someone taped my head down to the desk, I'd be like, don't fall asleep in class, whistleboy. <laughs> I've always found it, and especially, I feel like there was a point in my life when I realized this, where you should just laugh it off. Just be like, if someone takes your, tapes your head down to the desk, don't be like, you bastard, I can't believe you taped me. Be like, oh yeah, good one. Well done. Well done. I'm going to get you for this. I'm de- you're, Next time you fall asleep, and I'm using duct tape. That always gets a better response, and you're much less likely to have your head taped down to the desk next time because you didn't give the response that people wanted. I guess this was, there was I feel like there was just a point in my life where I was like, ding, and that clicked, and then it just gets you out of so much trouble. He later wrote that during that time he would cry by himself at school almost every day and that he would go home, lock himself in his room, and sulk and sob all night. I believe everyone can sympathize with that at least, but while most of us uplifted ourselves and took those instances to make ourselves stronger, Elliot Roger did the opposite, compounded by the fact that even at a young age he was already craving a sexual relationship, yet he could never get one. To quote, The boys in my grade talked about sex a lot. Some of them even told me that they had sex with their girlfriends. This was the most devastating and traumatizing thing I've ever heard in my life. Boys having sex at my age of 14? I couldn't fathom it. How is it that they were able to have such intimate and pleasurable experiences with girls while I could only fantasize about it? I don't know, Elliot. Maybe because you're not very charming or good looking. <laughs> Look, I definitely wasn't having any sex when I was 14, but it didn't bother me because I was 14. I mean, <laughs> you'd be like, that'd be interesting. <laughs> but you're not like, I don't know. I guess. I don't know, I didn't have those cravings as a 14-year-old. I mean, it's a complicated topic, isn't it? But yeah. During this time, he was constantly depressed and lonely, the bullying only making it worse. In the end, this drove home the view that the world was an awful place and that he was superior to all of the people who belittled him. He desired so much to be popular, but clearly was incapable of actually socializing with normal people. He even bought a nice car in an attempt to get people to like him, to come and talk to him, but he never took the initiative. He believed that they should come to him, that they should clamor to be friends with him, but no one did so his disdain worsened. Look, all of these things, like if you have a nice car, I, I, you know, it is going to be easier to start a conversation with someone because they're going to be like, wow, nice car. And you'll be like, yeah, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Talk about the car. It lasts for about five minutes and then you have to talk about something else, which is fine. And the person also has to be interested in cars. That's so probably not going to work like, great with the ladies. Um, not that ladies aren't interested in cars, but it does tend to be more of a dude thing. Um... Yeah, dude, I don't. He just doesn't seem to have it all put together, which is fine because he's a kid. But then don't be a psycho about it. The darkness in him only grew as he continued to strike out when it came to the female department as well. Surrounded by beautiful girls at school, he repeatedly took his shot, but each time he was either ignored or outright rejected. This warped view on women, soon considering them to be stupid, hateful creatures, ones that should be showering him with all their love and adoration, was, and most importantly, sex. But no, they simply continued to, in his mind, give chances to the brainless barbaric boys all around him, the ones who were kinder than him, better looking than him. Though in his mind they were all inferior to him <laughs> this guy's such a psycho <laughs> i have lived such an unnatural life devoid of love sex and pleasure it should be noted that elliot had been seeing therapists and psychiatrists since he was eight years old and had been diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder but not uh, not otherwise specified an autism spectrum disorder that in basic terms means he had trouble socializing with people and had difficulties with social and communication cues it's disappointing that despite being in therapy and psychiatry for so long that this wasn't 
able to be prevented. It also affected him through paranoia and an unconventional perception of the world, which seems to make sense given what we've already discussed. Eventually, he was also given medication, the medication Risperidone, which is normally used to treat bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. But of course, Elliot refused to take it, thinking it wasn't the right medicine for him, clearly knowing better than the professional doctors whose job it is to diagnose these things and give treatment in order to better their patients. Can't they test? I feel like in this case, I, I guess you can't test someone if they're taking their drugs or not, because, I mean, if they're in hospital, I guess you can. You can test their piss or whatever, right? But this guy's not in, not in hospital. Quote, After researching this medication, I found that it was the absolute wrong thing for me to take. That's a real big brain move there, Roger. Eventually, Elliot did find an outlet for his petty and misplaced grievances. YouTube. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> These must have all been removed now, banished from the internet as they should be. Hey, Elliot Roger here! YouTube is a safe haven for millions of people around the world, both for viewers and content creators alike. It's a site, an app that brings joy to many, and it's an outlet for countless people to post their art, form a career, or give others a peek into their daily lives. From cute cat videos to true crime content, it is the peak of entertainment. Is it? I mean, YouTube's great, but peak of entertainment? I'd say some like novels probably go up there, some epic movies, Breaking Bad. <laughs> YouTube's great though, it is great. But even though I make content for it, I wouldn't describe it as the peak of entertainment. Sadly, there's also a darker side of YouTube that many are sadly all too familiar with. Dark and disturbing content that somehow always makes it past the YouTube bot. And sadly, Rogers' channel and videos can now be included in that category. Entitled Elliot Rogers' Official Blog and starting every video with a monotone Hey, Elliot Roger here. <laughs> Sorry, I read the title for this entry, obviously, uh, to animate. It should be Hey, Elliot Roger here. Um, he used it, you know, what works really well on YouTube is monotone. He used it to vent about the loneliness and frustrations that he felt every single day. He would whine and complain about how the girls he wanted never gave him a chance, always dismissed him or rejected him. He would also fume about how so many other men were sexually active and how he hated them for it, all because he couldn't achieve what they could. On top of that, he also used to spout his own racist views. Oh, great. Love to throw that into the mix. Love their racism right there. Being of half-Asian descent himself, you'd think that he wouldn't attack Asian folks, but you'd be wrong. You see, Elliot Roger seemed to de cling desperately to the fact that he was half-white on his father's side, hating full Asian people, especially men. Dude, what went wrong in your brain, bro? Full Asian men are disgustingly ugly, and white girls would never go for you. You're just butthurt that you were born as an Asian piece of so you lash out by linking these fake pictures. You even admit that you wish you were half-white. You'll never be half-white, and you'll never fulfill your dream of marrying a white woman. I suggest you jump off a bridge, f***ing hell, mate. That is, I feel dirty reading that. And of course, being a racist f***wad, he also had a particular hatred for black people, especially when seeing them with lovely ladies. How could an inferior, ugly black boy be able to get a white girl and not be? I am beautiful, and I am half-white myself. I am descended from British aristocracy. He is descended from slaves. I deserve it more. Dude, this is like, this is some I'm like, do I cut that out? I don't like those words, even though they're not mine coming out of my mouth. <laughs> it's very unpleasant. To add to the pile of hateful qualities, Roger also happened to be a raging misogynist. Oh my god, what? No, he did? He did? I deserve 
sex from these beautiful women who don't like me because I'm creepy. He's a misogynist. No. In his perfect world, there was one thing he wished to wished for was to quarantine all women in concentration camps. At these camps, the vast majority of the female population will be deliberately starved to death. That would make an efficient and fitting way to kill them all off. I would have an enormous tower built just for myself to gleefully watch them all die. Jesus Christ. This makes Andrew Tate look like a f***ing feminist. Jesus. Oh my lord, you'd build a tower? What the f***, man? I hate this guy. I don't know what to say, dude. But in the end, almost every video of his, these were in YouTube videos. Oh my God. But in the end, almost every video of his, no matter how some would vary, always had the same underlying theme. The longing for sex coupled with a deep, dark hatred for women who rejected him and the men who had all that he believed should be his. He thought he was smarter, more handsome, and just overall better than everyone around him. He thought he deserved the world, even going so far as to spend over a thousand dollars over the span of a month on lottery tickets, and thinking that the world denied him his rightful win, thinking he was entitled to the prize money. Okay. So, we have a narcissistic, pompous, racist, misogynistic, self-important, entitled little brat who thinks the world has abandoned him and all the girls that he wants to have relations with have shot him down flat. Sounds like normal trollish incel to me, one to be dismissed and put in a corner with the rest of the annoying nonsense that would come across in our daily lives. Sadly, as we know, things were about to get much worse. The darkness had been twisting this idiot's mind for as long as it had been alive, and it was all about to erupt onto Isla Vista like a volcano. Quote, what was seen can never be unseen, and I will never forget it, nor will I forgive it. Preparation for Violence Up until this point, Roger had been a nuisance to everyone that had known him for years, so much so that his bigoted and derogatory attitude had chased off every real friend he could possibly have. No one wanted anything to do with him in real life or even online. He'd been a gamer for years, particularly in World of Warcraft, but even then had alienated himself from everyone who was previously willing to play with him. On top of that, his actions in everyday life simply got worse and worse. The reason in like most people watching this probably like, wow, I don't know anyone like this or even close to being like this. No, because all losers <laughs> and they don't have any friends and no one likes them because they're douchebags see elliot had a terrible habit of throwing drinks on folks if he felt he if they if he felt they wronged him twice in 2011 had thrown hot coffee onto innocent bystanders first on a couple he was jealous of and the second time on two girls simply for not smiling at him if that wasn't petty enough, in 2012, he'd filled up a super soaker with orange juice and drenched a group playing kickball in the park. To quote, A tall, blonde, jock-type guy walked into one of the restaurants, and at this side was one of the sexiest girls I had ever seen. I followed them in my car for a few minutes, and when they entered a less inhabited area, I opened my window and splashed my iced tea all over them. Annoying and uncalled for, uncalled for to be sure, but it wasn't the worst of it. In 2012, the darkness, having tended to the garden that was Roger's heart and mind, planted the first vital seeds of the destruction to come. That year, Elliot accidentally spilled a drink on his laptop, ruining it. Oh my god. <laughs> this is the only time in the video that I'm going to sympathize with this dude because I've done this. I did this in my last Mac. I was just having a coffee. And it had this, the Ikea made these insane mugs where it was like the top was wider than the bottom and the bottom was really small. I was like, that's a cool looking mug. So I had these mugs. The problem is they fucking fall over all the time because that's how, you know, physics works. I was just having my coffee and I fully spilled like a full cup of coffee all over my uh, MacBook. 
and it totally died and i had to buy a new one it was disappointing Taking it to the store to be fixed, he had plenty of time on his hands, so he made his way to a nearby firing range. And that is where our story differs. I can't... The problem... Right, so you break your Mac, right? And then it's like, okay, great, send it to be repaired. It'll take like a week. What am I supposed to do in the meantime? Just live without a computer? Use my iPad? That's not gonna happen. I mean, now I have spare computers, because I'm like, more successful than I used to be. But back in the day, it's like, I just had one computer. <laughs> it's like, if that breaks, it's like, okay, gotta get a new one. And yeah, I could get it... I probably wouldn't be able to repair it. It was super ruined. Um, but yeah, I could get it repaired later, I guess, and stuff like that. But yeah, you can't just live without a computer. That's insane. I walked into the range, rented a handgun from the ugly old redneck cashier, and started to practice shooting at paper targets. As I fired my first few rounds, I felt so sick to the stomach. I questioned my whole life, and I looked at the gun in front of me and asked myself, what am I doing here? How could things have led to this? I couldn't believe my life was actually turning out this way. Wait, how did I get here? How did it's like you took your computer to get repaired, you had a bit of spare time, so you went to the firing range. It sounds like a pleasant afternoon, to be honest. There I was practicing shooting with real guns because I had a plan to carry out a massacre. There again, we've gone from pleasant afternoon to, oh yeah, 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 no, I forgot. This guy's a fucking psycho. Why did things have to be this way? I silently questioned myself as I looked at the handgun I was holding in front of me. I paid my fee and left the range within minutes, feeling as if I was going to be sick. I spent the rest of the waiting period at the coffee bean in Oxnard, where I sat by myself, feeling absolutely disgusted. My whole world was twisted. Did he post this on YouTube? Because I just want to say, like, this is a quote, but it's not, I'm not, uh, Matt's not told me whether it's in his journal or whatever, or if it's on YouTube, because I know we've had some YouTube quotes. But he literally said, I had a plan to carry out a massacre. Please tell me this was the thing that got the police called on him, Jesus. Soon after, Roger bought his first gun, a Glock 34 pistol, and the next year, that's when the seeds of darkness finally started to sprout forth and take root. In 2013, Roger was out at a party when his horrid behavior finally bit him in the ass. Lonely and depressed, he attempted to speak to some girls, propositioning them to be his girlfriends. Bro, what are you doing? It's like, do you guys want to be my girlfriends? It's like, Elliot, just, just try with one girl. Just that's just start small, mate. Just start small. Don't start. Don't start by building a harem, Elliot. What are you up to? No one starts there. You have to grow to harem status, Elliot. Come on. Everybody knows this, Elliot. Of course, they turned the creepy little bugger down flat, which only managed to enrage Roger. Then, without warning, Roger attempted to throw the girls off the ten-foot ledge that they were talking on. The girls managed to fight him off, thankfully, and a group of boys who observed the attack ganged up on him and threw him off the ledge instead. Fucking awesome. Ah, that is karma. F Crashing 10 feet down to the ground. Ah, injuring his ankle in the process, he attempted to return to the party to retrieve his sunglasses, only to get jumped and beaten up once again. After that, he headed home, onlooker seeing him with tears flowing down his face and swearing the murder and swearing to murder all the others involved before killing himself. Oh my lord. This episode has so many like, ah, moments, and then it's like, oh, oh god, we know where this is going. Like, him getting thrown off a ledge is just so, it, it's funny. It's undeniably funny, because he's such a bad guy, and you just, you like, you revel in that satisfaction. But then it's like, oh no, he's gonna, he's gonna murder. So just like always, every bad thing that has happened to Elliot Roger was the product of his own making, the consequences of his terrible views and outrageous actions. This time, though, this was the final straw. At this point, he knew the world had completely turned his ba its back on him. He was alone, and he would make all those who hurt and rejected him pay with their lives. With this, Roger 
began to plot. His mission was a simple one, to kill as many people as he could, to show the world that rejected him who he was, and it would all end in his death. He knew this. He was afraid. But he did it anyway. Quote, Coupled with my hate-fueled eagerness to carry out my act of revenge, there was also an extreme sense of fear inside me. Part of me still didn't want to do it. It will mean my death, and I've always been afraid of death." Quote. In preparation, Roger bought two more guns, two 6RP-226 pistols, believing them to be much more effective and efficient than his first gun. It was during the months leading up to the attack that people really started to take notice of the even darker turn that his videos had taken. So much so that on April 30, 2014, they called the police to enact the wellness check that we'd previously discussed at the beginning of this episode. Over the next several weeks, Roger put his final preparations into place getting ready for the day that he would take revenge on society as a whole. It said he originally planned on murdering his stepmother and half-brother, but he couldn't bring himself to kill his father. Before anyone says anything about paternal love, I have no doubt this is because his father gave him his whiteness that he was so proud of. Oh my lord. With that, he recorded one final video for his channel. Within his car, the camera facing him as the sun set in the distance, placing a light orange glow over his face. He expressed his horrible wishes. I'll quote it. Tomorrow is the day of retribution, the day in which I will have my revenge against humanity, against all of you. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. I'm 22 years old and I'm still a virgin. I've never even kissed a girl. I've been through college for two and a half years, more than that actually, and I'm still a virgin. It has been very torturous. College is the time when everyone experiences those things such as sex and fun and pleasure. Within those years, I've had to rot in loneliness. It's not fair. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. It's an injustice, a crime, because I don't know what you don't see in me. I'm the perfect guy, and yet you throw yourself at these obnoxious men instead of me, the supreme gentleman. Um, I get, I mean, it's like, bro, okay, like, I'm sure some people in this situation, they're lonely, they're not getting laid. It's a bummer. I'm sure it's a bummer. You're probably like, man, this is really annoying. But just get to, no, you can't, like, that's no excuse. <laughs> it's insane to think that it is, bro. <laughs> Day of Retribution. Just like that. We're back where we began, in the apartment of Elliot Roger, mere seconds before all hell broke loose. The seeds have bloomed in full, the darkness had won, and unfortunately things are only going to get worse. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Soon enough, Roger's groommates, Chen Yuan James Hong and Wei Han David Wang, both 20 years old, arrived back to the apartment, and the horror commenced. <laughs> I'm just basing on these names, assuming these dudes are Asian. They live with a guy who is super racist against Asians. <laughs> And wasn't he saying this in YouTube videos? They'd be like, hey, 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 Elliot, I saw your video where you said that we're like, you know, where you said all that stuff about Asians that I'm not comfortable repeating. And Elliot's like, yeah, so what? Chen Wan. So what? Pulling two fixed blade knives, Roger jumped at both men, stabbing them each over and over multiple times until they were both dead. Now let's step back for a moment to think about that. Talk about a breach of trust. James and David, two young men with their whole lives ahead of them, get an apartment with what looks like another nice young man. Then, after all the warning signs, terrible behavior, and misplaced trust, they come home to a knife in the back. Roger wasn't done, though. 
Roger wasn't done, though. As soon, a friend of the three turned up and met a similar fate. This was 19-year-old George Chen, and he was attacked right there in the hallway outside the apartment. After being pulled into the room, he was stabbed a total of 94 times. Police searches of his laptop confirmed that he'd been looking up quiet, silent kill with a knife, likely looking for a way to silently murder each man as quickly as possible, and bloodstains on the walls of the hallway and blood-soaked paper towels indicate that Roger attempted to clean the scene as to not spook each victim as they came upon his lodgings. So police searched his laptop, quiet, silent kill with a knife. Bro, bro, you didn't use an incognito window? <laughs> What's wrong with you? So what does one do after murdering your roommates and friend in cold blood in your own apartment? Why, go get a cup of joe, of course. Now, while that might sound odd, that's precisely what Elliot Roger did. Cleaning up the scene to the best of his abilities and leaving the bodies in his apartment to be found later, he cleaned himself up and headed to a nearby coffee shop for a cup of coffee. Afterwards, at around 8.30pm, Roger went out to his BMW 328i coupe and got on his laptop where he did two things. First, he uploaded one final video to his YouTube channel entitled Day of Retribution. After that, he sent a mass email to 34 different people, including his parents and medical and mental health providers who had been treating him for his multitude of problems up to that point. Attached to the email was his 137-page, 107,000-word manifesto entitled uh, something I'm not going to name so you don't Google it and find it because you shouldn't be reading this psycho's piece of sh in which he aired his hatred and disappointment towards the people that he was meant to love. Roger's therapist saw the email and manifesto and immediately contacted his mother, who in turn contacted his father. They both then headed separately to Isla Vista, calling the police en route to try and stop their son, but it was too late. The rampage had begun, and there was more to come. After posting the video and sending the emails, Elliot took off into the night. His destination was clear. Speeding in the direction of UCSB, University of California, Santa Barbara, he stopped at Embarcadaro del Norte and Segovia Road in front of the Alpha Phi sorority house. Full of the type of people Elliot despised, beautiful and successful girls who most likely wouldn't have even given him a passing glance, he had every intention of going on a brutal massacre within the residence. Thankfully, after several minutes of waiting, no one came to the door, so he changed his mind. Unfortunately, this also cost the lives of innocent people without just minding their business. Catherine Breen Cooper and Veronica Elizabeth Weiss, 22 and 19 respectively, were simply enjoying their nights, not bothering anybody, oh, and they were set upon by Elliot Roger. Without a hint of remorse and hatred plastered all over his face, he openly gunned them down without hesitation. Another woman was injured in the hail of bullets, but she survived after being transported to hospital. After that, Elliot jumped back into his car and sped off, firing randomly into the streets and into different stores and shops. One such attack was a spray of bullets into a delicatessen, which claimed the life of 20-year-old Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez after he was struck multiple times. After that, the rampage continued unabated. He drove south on Embarcado de Norte to the wrong side of the, on the wrong side of the street, slamming into a passerby with his vehicle and shooting two people as he drove by, thankfully missing them. As a couple exited a nearby pizzeria, Elliot opened fire on them, as oh well as a nearby cyclist, hitting his mark on each. After missing a woman in his route of carnage, Roger headed east onto Del Player Drive before making a U-turn and heading west. The sheriff's deputy caught up with him at this point, and they exchanged fire, resulting in injuries to two more passers-by before Elliot managed to escape. Continuing with his spree, sure that everyone had managed to hurt and injure in his feeble-minded crusade was likely to be dead, Roger continued shooting anyone and everyone that he could lay his eyes on, badly injuring five more people, along with hitting two skateboarders and two cyclists with his car. At that point, though, the hourglass on his dreadful life had finally 
thankfully run out. On Sabado Tade Street near Little Acorn Park, three more deputies managed to track down his car and open fire on Roger, striking him in the hip. Injured and bleeding considerably, Elliot fired back at his pursuers, but thankfully didn't injure any of them. Then, while being chased by the police, and in one last screw you to the world that he mindlessly believed had abandoned him, Elliot spotted another cyclist and without hesitation slammed into them with his vehicle. And with that, he lost control of his car and crashed on the north sidewalk, just east of the intersection of Del Playa and Camino Pescadero. At 9.35 p.m., the police closed in on the wrecked car and slowly got out of their vehicles, guns in hand. Approaching the car, they threw open the front door and quickly put the cuffs on the monster's wrists, but it was too late. Whether it was the police, whether it was police instinct, or them running off pure adrenaline, the officers followed. The officers failed for a moment to notice the gaping hole in the head of the perpetrator, his gun falling limply from his quickly piling hands. In his final moments, with no way out, Elliot resigned himself to what he knew would be his end. So, with nowhere to turn any longer, he simply grabbed the gun, put it to his head and pulled the trigger. Elliot Roger, the king of the incels, was dead at age 22. Searching the car, officers found three pistols, knives, six empty 10-round magazines, and 548 rounds of unspent ammunition. Had he not been stopped, it's clear that Elliot would have continued with his reign of blood and revenge until he simply couldn't anymore, and then he most likely would have simply ended himself regardless. In total, seven people died in this bloody spree, with 14 injured, though thankfully, they managed to recover. St. Elliot the deplorable actions of Elliot Roger on that fateful night in 2014 have had repercussions that can be felt even to this day. The gun control debate has been a feverish talking point within the United States for years, particularly when it comes to school shootings such as Columbine, Sandy Hook, and Virginia Tech. The Isle of Easter killings just added another massive log to the ever-burning fire of that argument. A young man who was clearly disturbed and mentally unwell, with the type of personality and views that would, in a just world, instantly disqualify him from owning any sort of firearm or weapon, was easily able to get his paws on three different guns as well as knives and ammunition. I usually check my views at the door when it comes to topics like this, but to say this is unacceptable is a massive understatement. Yeah, I'm not against gun ownership. Like, I come from a country where guns are, like, pretty unusual. Like, shotguns for hunting and, like, air rifles and sh**. But, like, handguns? No. Um, big guns? No. Um, but I'm not against it. I'm not the idea of res- against the idea of responsible gun ownership. I think that's fine. <clears throat> I am against the idea of not having checks and licenses like do you need a gun license in america to be able to own a gun like you can get a gun here where i live in czech republic if you have a a gun license and i think there's a psychiatric test as well just to make sure you're okay i'm not sure on that though but if you are like being seen by a doctor for something during that licensing process they should be able to whoever's responsible whichever department of the government should be able to check your medical records and you should say like if you want to get it in my opinion in my opinion i'm not saying this is how it should be i'm saying in my opinion this is how i think it could work would be and i'm not super informed about this or anything it just seems like prima facie a good idea that you say i like when you sign a form and it's like you know for a job or whatever and they're like we're going to give you a criminal record background check are you okay with this and you tick yes because you'd like the job and it's like we'd like to get a gun uh, we're going to perform a background on your medicals and your crime, criminal history you tick yes because that's what you have to do if you want the gun is this done this must be done in some states right but i also know other places that you can just walk in and buy a gun right with like no cooling off period or anything like that which just seems irresponsible to be honest 
But the truly sickening part of all this is that sadly, in this sick and demented world that we live in, there are a number of circles online where Roger is deified and celebrated for what he did. Did those f idiots? If you are who, it must be like four people. I mean, statistically, I mean there are people who celebrate what Hitler did. So I mean, what I'm not enormously surprised, but like these people are such pieces of. There are those within the incel community that believe he did the right thing, killing all those beautiful and successful people that have a better life than him. Sickening. Am I right? Yes, you are right, Matt. There are memes where he's imposed over images of Jesus or other Christian imagery, and, the, and as the title of the chapter suggests, there are even people who actually refer to this unloving bag as Saint Elliot. Sadly, there has been at least one major instance where someone took Roger's attack on innocent lives as the go-ahead to vent his own insecurities on the lives around him. Four years after the death of Elliot Roger in 2018 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, mentally challenged incel Alec Manassian attacked pedestrians with a white Chevrolet Express Van. In one fell swoop, he ran a red light and mounted the sidewalk, running down a number of innocent bystanders who did absolutely nothing to him. By the time he was finally caught, he claimed the lives of 11 people, whose ages ranged from 22 to 94, and he felt zero remorse for it. Claiming to be an actual friend of Elliot Roger, he tried to justify his actions by saying it was all for the cause, all for the incel uprising against the Chads and Stacys, terms used by incels to refer to popular, attractive, sexually active men and women. He even indicated his attention for the attack in a Facebook post on the day. Private Recruit, to quote, Private Recruit Minasian Infantry 00010 wishing to speak to Sergeant 4chan please, C2324916. The Intel Rebellion has already begun. We will overthrow all the Chads and Stacys. All hail the Supreme Gentleman Elliot Roger. This guy has got something loose upstairs. Thankfully, Manassian was caught and brought to justice, serving his sentence in prison as we speak, where he belongs. Hopefully, I mean, this isn't America, it's Canada. And I get the feeling Canada's like less intense. America will be like, a thousand years in prison! But I really hope this guy dies in prison. That would be tight. However, while he is arguably the most well-known, murderous, mindless follower of Roger, he is far from the only one. Even to this day, there are those who believe that Roger was in the right to do what he did, that the lives he ended deserved to die that day. The world we live in is a sick place. And honestly, I hope that the little prick is rotting in hell for all eternity, as do those that follow him. Wrap up. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is that. A heartbreaking and infuriating tale is at its end. A story about a pathetic and demonic little boy. But that's all he was, that refused to see that he was the problem, and the world wanted nothing to do with him because of it, thus sparking his self-fulfilling prophecy of hatred and of death. To this day, his name lives on in infamy, and is a cautionary tale to not only watch out for all the warning signs for those around you, but also to keep yourself in check. Self-reflection is important, and it takes a big person to realize that you aren't as perfect and amazing as you think you are, that you might be the problem, and that it's time for a change. You never know. Looking at things from another point of view and acting accordingly might just improve things in your world. I think this is so true. This is such a, like... So, like, I, not even self-reflection. Just, I... Just assume you're wrong. Assume you're not quite as good as you think you are. And, like, I am, like, not... You know, I've definitely got some like narcissistic tendencies. Like I put my face all over a bunch of YouTube videos. But another thing that I've learned is that like often shit is your own fault. And keep yourself in check. Just if you start from that assumption, you're gonna have a better time. And if you find out that oh no, this is really else someone else's fault, great. You know, fine. But if you start from the position of like what am I doing wrong? It's the most controllable thing you have. If it's someone else's fault, it's much harder to control. If it's your fault, you can perhaps do something about it.
That said, if you'll allow me, Simon, it's at this point, as the darkness creeps back from us once again, that I must take off the professional hat that I proudly try to wear when compiling these scripts for you. The reason? I absolutely despise this man. Elliot Roger was and is a stain on humanity that boils my blood every time I think of him. This pompous, petty, petulant, pissant had everything in life handed to him. He wanted for nothing, and dare I say that there may have been girls who would have given him the time of day if he simply adjusted himself and looked. And yet that didn't happen. He thought the entire world revolved around him and what he wanted. And when it didn't work in his favor or give him what he wanted, he threw a temper tantrum and drove deeper and deeper into his narcissistic, racist, and misogynistic beliefs and behavior. He insulted people. He screamed at people. He attempted to assault them if they didn't give him what he wanted. And when he was made to face the consequences, he took it out on the world. A self-pitying, pathetic little man. He hated the human race because they didn't bow down and prostrate themselves in his direction, that girls didn't fling themselves at him, legs spread and beg for his attention. He said he craved love, yet everything he said and did worked against him ever getting it, and rightfully so. And then, in one last act of disgusting loathing, the worthless brat murdered seven people and almost murdered fourteen more, all before he finally did the only good thing he ever did in his life, painting the inside of his car with his own grey matter. If that's too far, I truly and wholeheartedly apologize, Simon and dear audience, but hatred isn't a strong enough word to describe my feelings for this evil waste of skin. And with that, I end this piece, as I always do, with us remembering the poor victims of this wretched fiend, as it is them that deserve to be remembered as the waste of life that saw their souls fade away into nothingness. Cheng Wan James Hong, Wei Han David Wang, George Chen, Catherine Breen Cooper, Veronica Elizabeth Weiss, Christopher Ross Michaels Martinez. Rest in peace. We remember you now and wish you happiness in whatever awaits us all. And of course, well wishes to the 14 poor individuals who were either shot or run over but survived on that awful day. I hope your lives return to normal and the name of the vile beast who harmed you never more enters your thoughts. And that is where we end today's episode today. Um, yeah, what to say? Nothing to say. Thanks for watching. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.